I'm Andrew Junker with Roman Honeycutt. Hi. And this is why we do this. <laughs> Episode 20 of Why We Do This. We have made it out of 2016. Looking forward to a better year, um, but also, you know, tentatively, I'm just nervous. We're, we're all very cautiously uh, hesitant. Yeah. No, but we're, we're stoked. We're stoked that, uh, you know, to kick off the new year and yeah, excited to make more cool shit. And talking about making cool shit, we got Tej Virdi is our guest this episode. Tej is a gaffer, you know, mostly does lighting work, but, you know, all around just awesome dude, loves just working on shoots and making cool stuff. So we got to talk to him and get his thoughts, perspective, a little bit about his process um, and a little bit about how he like got into film work. I'm trying to think of the first time we met him. You know, we've always had him on our commercial work, but also like the creative stuff too. He's just a really awesome guy. Um, really just warm, welcoming dude. And uh, you actually know him better than I do personally. But, you know, during this conversation, I was really like, man, I want to hang out with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's so just like warm and, and uh, really open and really, really cool guy. Um, that's That's what I got most out of this conversation is how do we kind of switch a little bit into how we approach working with bringing people on for a job. It's not just like finding the right person skill-wise, but it's also like finding the right person personality-wise sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And also just, yeah, keeping things just going in terms of like morale is so important. You know, like we've never been people to like, you know, hey, come on, we got like three hours. Let's go, assholes. Like we've never been those yeah. people at all. There are people like that for sure. And yeah, Tej and, and, uh, is, is just one of those guys that definitely ensures that he kind of creates relationships with the people that he's working with versus just like you just see another person on a random day. Uh, and so we start the conversation getting into how Tej found his way into film work and specifically into lighting work. I was in high school and there was a local, uh, well, it wasn't, it, there was a movie shooting out in Monterey, so... They were looking for PAs and whatnot, and uh, I jumped on and did that for one summer. Oh, crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What um, What kind of production? It was a feature shooting um, on 35 all over Monterey. Yeah, that was cool. Damn, dude. That's great. <laughs> I kind of signed on and became the grip PA on that job, so it was <laughs> great. I just gravitated towards towards that department right away. From that job, did you get other work quickly or was it kind no. of like more just a... Um, I took a break and thought film school was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> we all, we all yeah, laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, without it, I mean, I met, I met a lot of the dudes I work with now, okay. which is great. You know, awesome. that's where I met Drew and Akiva and a bunch of other people. Okay. Um, so I was able to at least make some connections, but I didn't stick around <laughs> okay. too long in film school. So you didn't stick around too long. What was kind of like that transition after that? Well, a couple things. At the time, putting myself through college, I was working at Kinko's. So I was really into uh, the production part of it. You know, I really liked like making things, working with my hands, doing, um, you know, creating a booklet out of nothing. Like that was cool to me. I get a file, like print it out. I cut it. I bind it. I do all this and make like a pretty amazing product in the end. So I kind of saw what was happening there and decided that I could just do it on my own. So I took out a lease on a printer 
got an office space down in uh, Soma on 3rd and Townsend and started a print shop. Whoa. Yeah, and I was still, you know, in the very early on phase of my career doing the film work, so I wasn't steadily employed, I guess you'd say. Not that we are, but uh, I wasn't getting enough work. So it was nice to be able to do both, and I would just work after shoots. I'd go to the shop and do any sort of things that needed to happen there. It was like kind of a nightmare because it was 24-7, but it wasn't. um, (laughs) I was doing something that uh, for myself and uh, that, you know, that's what really draws me to this industry as well. And, you know, when I started finally getting busy enough in this industry, I sold the shop to my partner, kind of walked away from that and just started doing this. Damn, dude. What's the shop called? At the time, it was called Ground Control Press. Now, I think it's called 148 Print. Okay. It's just where they're... Um, Dude, that's rad. Yeah, yeah. How, how old were you when you started that? Uh, 21, 22. Damn, dude. Yeah, I think. You ran a business at 21, 22. And it was you and a partner? Yes, yeah. Damn, dude. Was there a period of time where you thought that that was going to be like the steady career? No, I had always envisioned it being uh, like a break-even business. And mm. I just wanted to do it because it was fun. Yeah. I made the mistake, and a lot of people will say this too, I'm sure that they turned your hobby into a business. Yeah. And I got burnt out on it, for sure. But it wasn't the end game, so I was never really that concerned. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so essentially all I wanted to do was just break even in the business and maybe pay my rent with it every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that gave you like freedom at the time, or was it, was it just sort of like a turning into a job and you were, you were feeling the burnout? I think the issue was I was just so broke all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exhausting. It's exhausting. I loved working, and I, I love working myself to death. But, um, I mean, I was, you know, struggling really, really hard at that time. And it definitely, like, pushed a lot of things in my life away from me because I was so focused on it. It was just one of those things where uh, I didn't see the value in it anymore. Like, it was still fun, but I had a bit of a... Uh, breaking up with my partner as well, um, who wasn't pulling uh, his weight. So more of the workload fell on me, and I just didn't feel like doing it anymore. And yeah. this being a gaffer was my end game. And I fortunately got onto a TV show, a very, very poorly made TV show. <laughs> um, but when you're that young, you don't know. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, a couple months, so I just walked away and just did this. Hmm. I haven't looked back. Sometimes it's a slow progression and sometimes it's just like a sharp turn that's like you're finally just like, okay, this is a viable thing. This is what I either am or this is what I'm going to do. Do you feel like it was the TV show that Um, helped You know, I started – here's what's weird. I started off in camera. Oh, interesting. Well, because they didn't offer like – I mean they offered lighting classes at my school, but they didn't offer like the ins and outs of that department. Mm Mm-hmm where I had Phil Bowen as my instructor, and you look at that guy, and you're like, I want to be just like that dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I started off in camera, and uh, I definitely hated it. I really didn't um, enjoy the workflow as much as I do in um, lighting. It's great. I mean, you're working with your hands, but I do love the you know aspect of our job where we get to lift heavy stuff. We mm. get to build things. You know, I, I really love that part of it where I didn't feel like I was getting that out of camera, which which is why I feel like I 180 on um, that decision and went straight into grip and electric. I mean, that's the thing that's always so fascinating to me is like you can be really like heady and intellectual with filmmaking. You can also be like so hands on 
and it's all about like moving equipment or you could be in a community Absolutely. on production or you could be isolated as like an editor. <laughs> well, what's great, what's, what's, what's I think the best thing about our industry is you might have the guy who likes to build and work with his hands, but he's going to be just as intelligent as anyone else. Oh, for sure. Set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I meant, have... I meant it more as like the, like specifically thinking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. I know, I know exactly you know, yeah. what you meant, but I, you know, it's one of those fascinating things that we just work with like a lot of really smart people. That's pretty incredible to me. It's like incredibly smart and incredibly flexible. Like the, like the amount of problem solving you have to do every day right, absolutely. is so just fascinating to me. And it, it's what makes me also like get really frustrated when I'm having any interaction with other industries where I'm like, these things should be so much more like dialed in. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just because of the nature of what we do. I mean, we have to assemble and execute, Yeah, you know, within hours sometimes you show up and have to build this whole world. And you got, you know, three hours to do it. Yeah. You have to be as efficient as possible. And we're in an industry full of, I mean, no matter what it is you're doing, you're pretty nerdy. Yeah. So yeah. you've already, <laughs> like, looked at all the facets of what your job entails, and you know how to do it really well. You know? Yeah, yeah. You're there because you want to be there. I mean, if you uh, think 12 hours is fun and you think, you know, hauling heavy gear up four flights of stairs is is super fun, and this is a great industry for you to be in, but <laughs> no one we know probably really 100% loves that. Maybe talk a little bit more just about, like, for you, like, when is it the best for you? Like, when do you find yourself just, like, in the fucking flow? You're, you're like, just on a roll. You're loving yeah, it. Yeah, I really love complex setups. Um, you know, I, I spent some time working for Autofuss for a while, <laughs> and um, the great thing about that studio is they give you the time to do it. It's also the detriment of the studio at the time because then you have too much time to tinker. But, you know, working with that robotic arm and doing all these really complex shoots really gets your brain moving in a completely different way. It's pretty fun. But honestly, what does it for me is uh, when my DP is like, this is exactly what I had in my head. And you get to execute exactly what their vision was. That's awesome. Yeah. For you, in that way, does it matter if it's a narrative piece, a commercial piece, a, maybe a documentary? Like, does it matter to you in that way? Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter as long, you know, if I get that response <clears throat> from the DP. Um, it doesn't matter what I'm working on. I obviously love working narrative, and who doesn't? There's just not very much of that in the Bay Area. But I take any chance I get to, to do any narrative work. I guess the last time I did it on a narrative piece was I turned to Joe Lindsay. We're in this cabin in Iceland doing this insane like 360 Steadicam shoot where we have to like stem lights up and down and do all these crazy things falling with bounce cards and then hiding around a corner just so we could get this like two minute long shot off. Wow. <laughs> and uh, it was really tough and he was really stressed and you know you could tell that it was getting to him. We go in and light the next scene. And it's this really dark fireplace scene. We black out the entire place. And he looks at me and just goes, this is exactly how I thought it was going to look. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel like those are the moments, too, where you, like, even if it's getting really tough, it's just, like, morale just fucking goes through the roof because you're all just so pumped on what you just accomplished. Oh, yeah, man. That's the best. <laughs> I, You know, I, and also when, when things do get tough, I tend to, like, to uh, tell a joke or, like, make people laugh because... Mm -hmm. If we're all in a really bad situation, uh, why not just have a laugh and make it a little more fun? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we're lucky to do this. Why not have as much fun as possible? I've mentioned this before, but like my favorite moments are, yeah, when you kind of feel that everything is just like running on all cylinders, like every department is kind of just like 
there's one take where everything's just working and you kind of feel it. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, like that hour 12 or 20 in our early days where we're just losing our minds. Like you definitely get to know people very well in those moments. Like, cause yeah, like you say something and they'll just start cracking up and <laughs> you all have this like moment that you've kind of shared. Um, I don't know. I love that. I stuff. mean, yeah, you're going to battle yeah. every day. I mean, yeah. you're like in trenches. I mean, you, you get to know people really well on this mm -hmm. job. I think it's very interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> One of the times I was talking to you when you were kind of fresh off of that Iceland job, doing like travel work like that, like especially in a pretty like crazy location. What's that like for you? Like, do you do a lot of that? Do you like doing that? I've done a lot of that in the past. I, I feel like that work um, isn't come up for me as much anymore, yeah. which is great. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a uh, production company. Took me and Kater as Mindy to Tokyo, and then we also did um, Paris. Wow. So that was pretty great. And that same production company also took me to Colombia and to Amsterdam, which Colombia, Medellin, Colombia, was probably the craziest place I've worked. I would say the challenge in a lot of that is obviously the language barrier. My mm -hmm. Spanish isn't great, and their dialect's a little different. That and Paris, I think, were my two biggest challenges. Paris only because the rental house was real... Um, it was a decent-sized rental house, but it was just hard to get the gear I needed. Mm-hmm or to explain what I needed to them. I think that was the biggest challenge there, was just lining up everything. Where Columbia was just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we had a crazy handler. Pretty sure that dude's murdered people. <laughs> um, he like works security all over Columbia. He's British and he's like ex-British special forces of some sort. Nice. We didn't uh, talk about it. Hello, boys. Hello. What's up? Are you recording right now? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks for the coffee. Hello. You're welcome. Huh. I've got good things to say. This is like a funny interlude. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, good things to say. And then he just sits there. <laughs> um, so you're saying this British dude. Oh, yeah. The British dude is for sure murdering people. Um, yeah, he was, uh, you know, he's lived in the country for a long time and, and had a, like a fish and chips shop down in downtown Medellin. We were shooting up in the uh, comunas, which is like, you know, the, the slums up mm -hmm. in the hillsides. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't the safest place to be. Yeah. Especially with a uh, bunch of dudes with cameras and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that was a little interesting. Mm -hmm. What do you do in those situations? Because it's definitely like a pretty like real part of the job that when you're on location, like shit can get scary. Yeah, I mean, shit can get scary out here in Oakland, too. Yeah. You know, you just got to have your wits about you. Especially when you're a different country. I mean, you just got to respect the culture as much as possible and always have a good backup plan in case <laughs> things go wrong. Uh, that's, like, the most important. In that situation in Colombia, you, like, have those, like, powwows of being like, okay, what happens when, if, you know, uh, how do, how do yeah. we keep ourselves, like... Well, you know, with the guys I was working with, I don't know if you know Keenan Newman, mm -hmm. but that is just, like, one of the genuinely, like, most stoked people I've ever met just on everything. <laughs> so, like, just having him there puts you at ease quite a bit because yeah. his, his attitude is just always, like, insanely great. I mean, there was a point where we did a hood mount, put the camera on the car, and out of nowhere, we had this, like, crazy downpour. Oh, man. Just yeah. start dumping. The camera was safe. Yeah. But, you know, Keenan and I were going to go around the neighborhood and get some footage, and all of a sudden, we have to jump out in the pouring rain and take apart this camera. 
<laughs> as fast as we can. Yeah. Throw it in the car, and we're already soaked, so yeah. we're just like, fuck it. Let's just yeah. walk back. Yeah. We're walking around. Keenan's like pretending he's surfing in the gutters because they're just gushing water <laughs> and just having a blast with it. It turned into something really beautiful in mm-hmm. the end, like where we got footage of an epic rainstorm just coming in and just had a blast and made a really, what could have been a shitty situation, way more fun than yeah. I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's the stuff that you also just like can't possibly anticipate is going to come out of the experience too. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I fell in love with that city. Absolutely. That was I mean, some of the nicest people I've ever met in Medellin. I, I really enjoyed it. I'd definitely go back. Yeah? Yeah. Are you saying like you don't do as many travel jobs now? You're okay with that? Or is it just sort of what it is? It just hasn't come up. I've been traveling the U.S. more, yeah. which I have been enjoying. It's its own crazy adventure in itself. So a lot of my shoots have been taking me to different places in the U.S. that I don't think I would have ever gone to. Mm-hmm. I guess my clients that I have just don't do them as often. Yeah. Or it doesn't always make sense to travel a gaffer. A few years ago, I was in um, Switzerland, and that was a situation that made sense because it was small enough where I was handling everything that the DP wanted and knew kind of to anticipate what he would want, and I kind of handled all around both lighting and rigging on that. But we were up in the Alps. Like, you know, they could have probably got a guy to come up, but they would rather have someone who's going to efficiently work with the DP than to have a local. That made sense for them at the time. Um, But there's some shoots, you know, where it just makes sense for them to go local. The market's big enough that they can do that. Yeah. And I, I understand that 100%. I do love the travel jobs, though. They're really fun. How do you connect with the DP? Like, especially, I don't know, like if you're kind of... It seems like you're often paired with somebody you've had experience working with mm-hmm. before. But in a situation where you are meeting someone for the first time, I don't know, like, do you like to take a lot of time in pre-production to get involved? Uh, I mean, you might not always have that luxury. Yeah, that's a luxury. That's not that's not the uh, usual way it works. I guess, you know, it's usually the first, if it's a multi-day shoot, mm-hmm. you know, the first half of that day, you're kind of filling each other out. You just kind of – that's a tough one. Um, I don't know because I just do it so fluidly, I it's feel like. It's like an instinct It's almost. an instinct, yeah. yeah. I feel like I sh- – you know, I try and show up. I start doing things. I ask them how they like things done, and I can kind of guess from there, like, what they're going to want and how things are going down the line. And depending on the style and personality of the DP, you know, it either goes really well or you're just kind of playing catch-up all day. Mm-hmm. For you, what makes a good – solid DP gaffer relationship. If you can go out any night of the week and have beers with them or smoke a joint with them and have a great conversation. <laughs> I mean the the social aspect absolutely builds an even stronger relationship outside yeah. of work. Like mm-hmm. there there are some DPs that you know I only see at work and it's fine. Yeah. But it's the stronger relationships built outside of work. I mean I'm friends with pretty much most of the DPs that I work with, at least 80% of them, you know. Mm-hmm. They've all either been to a birthday party I've thrown or been to a crawfish boil or been to my wedding, you know. <laughs> I try and do that. I try and bring together everyone I know around me as much as possible in different settings, social settings, you know, whether it's a barbecue or whether it's my daughter's baby shower. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I will bring everyone from different sides of the spectrum. You know, I have sound guy. Joe Stillwater is one of my great friends. I, that guy comes to all my stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Joe Mendoza shows up to my barbecues sometimes, shows up to my wedding. You know, it's mm-hmm. like uh, Kiva Knight. He's always down to eat whatever I cook. So he's <laughs> always there. <laughs> you know, um, it's like all the, all, all the different aspects that we deal with on a day-to-day basis does create some sort of weird, um, I would say circles, not not weird circles, but they create some sort of clicks and circles in the Bay Area. And I try and pull from all of those and bring everyone together in one social setting. That's really awesome because honestly, that it's weird. I get like weird anxiety about bringing different people together because I worry so much about like what if they're okay and if they're like da da da. Yeah, but you know, I look at it like this, like, fuck it, man, we're friends. Like, you're coming to hang out with me and you know what? Everyone else is going to be here. Let's just party. Like, you know? I feel like that's just so much like, like in your nature, you know? Sure. Was, do you feel like you've always been that way or is that something? Yeah. I definitely got that from my mother. I mean, growing up, I remember her helping out so many friends and coworkers, you know. I mean, I helped raise a kid, essentially. Mm. I had a classmate who went on to work with my mom, and she didn't have any babysitters or anything like that, so she was always late to work. So my mom was like, well, my boys are off for the summer. Like, just drop them off. (laughs) And that kind of continued for, like, five years (laughs) wow! Uh, to where, you know, my, my grandmother helped take care of them. Like they're part of our family now. Yeah. Things like that. There's a point, one of my best buds, Gary, you know, had nowhere to live. He just moved back from Indiana and my mom's like, well, you can stay on the couch. And he slept on the couch. My brother had another friend who needed a place to stay as well. And he slept on the floor Mm. and she was always kind of that person who was like, oh, you need a jacket. I have a jacket. You should have it. Yeah. You know? So I definitely got that from her. Just trying to help out as many people as possible. That's really cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah, it's funny. I have only kind of recently encountered – well, not recently. Like the first time I met like my wife's family, they're very like open door policy. Like, yeah, whatever. You want to hang out? Sure, hang out. Have some dinner. You know, you you need a place to stay? Stay here. And, you know, like – and, yeah, my family has not been that, you know. So it's always like – kind of jarring to meet that but then immediately like oh yeah no that's how sh- it should be you know <laughs> like yeah. that's totally how it should be it's funny my mom my um, mom's side of the family you know my mom's not not around anymore but um when we go down to visit you know at first my wife was really weirded out she's like your family hugs a lot <laughs> <laughs> we show up everyone gets a hug we're just going to the store we're saying bye everyone gets a hug yeah <laughs> uh, that's awesome man that's really cool I mean, that's that's how I've grown up, you know, and, and the Indian side of my family's same way. Mm-hmm. And that's how I hope to at least raise my daughter mm-hmm. to be that open with everyone. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I can see how that connects to how you work as well. Because, yeah, that totally makes sense, having a social connection. I mean, maybe there's something that happens, you know, because you know somebody, you can you kind of know their rhythms and you can anticipate things. Yeah, and it's great, you know, when you start to get to know them socially, too, you start to learn their little personality quirks. And so you can see something, you can tell right away if, you know, you're working and uh, your buddy's having a bad day. Yeah. And you know how to approach that a little bit differently. Because you spend enough time with them, you know the signs, you know, Mm -hmm. you can say, oh, man, this is not going well for him. Let's see what we can do to turn this around. This shit can be stressful, you know. It can be it, when 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 we're working and things are not going the way that it needs to be going. Sure. Like to have 
just moments where you can like have those connections. Even it's not just about the work. It's like, hey, we're all here to to make something. You know, like, absolutely. I, I I agree with that hundred percent. The work is is definitely why we're all together. <laughs> but I feel that um, yeah, we all have a lot of value to add to each other. <laughs> as well every day like there's I'm always learning new things about my friends on set and I wouldn't even say coworkers anymore like 90% of the guys are friends and if they're not friends yet they will be yeah all of us have different attitudes around it but it's like even talking to Phil Briggs where he's just like for him personally working with good people it, it trumps everything like obviously we're doing good work but it's like working with good people is what makes it and yeah. and for him he doesn't have to work with people that he doesn't get along with. You yeah, know? absolutely. Like, and, and, and I think that that's like, you know, obviously we're in situations where we just make it work, but ideally that's what it is. Ideally you're working with people who become your friends that you like being around, that you want to be around, and you look forward to creating something. Like even Kiva was saying, like, like I love his take on how like we're not just making a film, we're creating this experience that is the film we're making that we all get to share for the rest of our lives. You know, it's like there's stories of being on set that I think the energy makes it onto the final film, but the experience itself is something that you will always remember. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, no, I mean, I, I, more just more no. just throwing the idea out there. I, yeah. I, no, you're wrong. You know, like I don't know if you if you think about it in a similar way or or it, it, what what your take on that is. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I feel like that's definitely uh, coming from um, like a like a narrative feature or something like that. You're in the trenches with people for yeah. a long time. You don't get that opportunity on commercial work as much because you're with people sure. so little. And that's why I think it's always important to take it outside of work a mm, little bit. Yeah. And you don't have to be friends with everybody. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, but the people that you really click with in this industry and the people you end up working with most of the time, you know, it's great to start – actually building like a community and family around them. Yeah. You know, and it's great because, you know, you can go to them for anything. You have a question about a camera setting. You go, hey, what's going on with that? You know, um, I don't know how, how to light for this weird setting you have. Oh, your shutter's weird. Okay, you know, things things yeah. of that nature where you, you still know how there's boundaries and yeah. you still know that there is a clear way of doing things, but every once in a while you feel totally comfortable and you, you're not made to feel like an idiot if you're really good friends with everyone on set and you just go, hey man, why do you put the boom right there? It's kind of weird. Can we can can we move it? My light needs to go there or something yeah. like that. You know, you don't feel as intimidated by yeah. by those questions. Well, and it's funny because I, yeah, I totally know exactly what you're talking about, those moments where it's like, I guess in some ways it can be seen as like a confrontational thing, but really like there's no one right way to do anything. There's and, always 10 ways to skin a cat. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no one right way. And everyone has their own theory on how to do whatever it is in their own fashion. And I love when I get the chance to work for my friends, you know, and seeing how they approach the scene and how and I always take a step back and think about how I would have approached it. Yeah. And kind of compare and contrast and figure out little bits and pieces from what they did to make my next approach more efficient. Because I, I end up, you know, working with some really great people that really know what they're doing, you know. In terms of your, like, your growth, do you did, did you have any specific mentors or has it been that kind of, like, as time goes on, person by person, you learn a little something from them that, that makes what you do better? Hmm. It's a great question. Um, mentors. I don't, I mean, I never really had one specific person. Mm -hmm. 
I could say, but you know, going on set and working as an electric for Joe Mendoza and seeing how he approaches the scene, going out and, and working for Kiva and seeing how he approaches it, you know, working for Chris and seeing what he does and how he wants things done. I like to do that. I like to go out, even though, you know, I love to gaff. I still love to be on set with my friends. And if I'm available and they need me, hmm. I'll do anything. You know, I'll go out. And I love to see how they approach in their mind the set and, and how they approach the lighting setups that they're doing because I take a little away from that. I'm surrounding myself with so many great people that why not take what I can and learn what I can from them because they're they're my friends for a reason because I respect them because I think they're really great at what they do. And so it makes total sense for me to jump on sets with my buddies, not as a gaffer, and just take what I can from the, that experience. That's awesome. Yeah. Are there any films, like, projects that you want to work on that you haven't yet? Like, a type of a job or a... a... Um, hmm. Sure, sure. There's, uh, you know, I always love explosions. I've done a few. <laughs> um, so just more explosions. Uh, <laughs> what else? I, hmm. Are there any uh, Bay Area indie films with just explosions? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care what's blowing up. Yeah, no. just just everything <laughs> blowing up. Give me a cat in the middle of the street. Just yeah, just loading. It just for no it. reason at all. <laughs> Hey, get on that script. Yeah. Dude, oh, man, I would love to do There's some... three explosions per page. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we actually we don't actually cut to scenes. We explode to them. Oh, that'd be bad. <laughs> In all honesty, it's just narrative. I just want to do more narratives. I yeah. love narrative work. Whether it's narrative commercial work or narrative features, I just want more narrative work yeah. under my belt. I love the workflow. I love trying to keep a consistent look. Hmm. That and just, you know, some of the stranger... Fashion shoots have really intrigued me lately, using oh, a lot of the newer RGB technology out and just kind of going crazy with colors and stuff like that. Hmm. I've worked on a little bit of that, um, but that just seems like it'd be fun just to get real weird. Yeah. Yeah. And for you, I mean, the same way that you're saying, like, there's 10 ways to skin a cat. Like, do you have, like, a pretty, like, generally do you do, like, a baseline of lighting or do you just kind of figure it out and piece, you know, based on what the scene is, what the location? Yeah, I mean, it's always it's always based on what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always based on where we're at, what time of day, you know, what, uh, what we're shooting, mm-hmm. um, skin tones, all of that. I do think there is, uh, you know, semi-formulaic way. Like, you know that you show up and there's always, like, a checklist that you go down DP wants key light coming from over here. So then you start going through your checklist. Okay, we can start building our world towards this direction. Now there's always going to be challenges in that, correct? There's always going to be, you know, something you can't do or you need to change things up a little bit in a weird way. And I think that's where the artistry comes in. You know, you're trying to find how to put your own little personal touch on it in a certain way and also achieve the goals of of that day. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think I think I approach it when I show up and I go, okay, this is what we're doing. And you run down a checklist of kind of everything you think you'll need and what direction you think that day is moving in. Yeah. The hard part is, you know, especially, you know, you, when you don't have the opportunity to scout or you don't have the opportunity to get boards or a look from anybody, mm-hmm. you're showing up and you're hoping the tools you have are going to be what you need. Yeah. That's, that's the bigger challenge. Depending on what you have and don't have, you're also making creative – D- decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you're 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 kind of dictating what you can and can't do on the start of the day, which I you know find that it 
can be detrimental because, like I said, my favorite thing is to have the DP turn towards me and say this is exactly what yeah. what I thought it was going to look like. Mm-hmm. And if you can't achieve that because of some sort of logistical mess up or budgetary restrictions and stuff like that, it does it does kind of you know wear you down a little bit. Yeah, because you you essentially you want everyone to be super stoked on what you did, mm-hmm. yeah. no matter what. Yeah, at the end yeah. of the day. You want to walk away feeling like everyone was extremely happy with what they achieved that day. It's interesting. It sounds like you kind of got into this profession through the experience of making it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. was there like a film or anything that stood out to you? Or are you, how much of like a movie buff are you? Huh. That's, I think there's a three-part answer to that. Okay. Uh, I feel that there is a list of movies that I know I'm supposed to like. (laughs) (laughs) Of that list, I feel like there is movies that I do like out of the movies I'm supposed to like. Yeah. And then there's the movies that I love that I just don't tell anyone. No, let's talk about that list. (laughs) Because honestly, man, like when we've done the like heady kind of film talk kind of like drop in the movie, you know, really obscure kind of things or the art house films. But I want to know, like, the stuff that oh, yeah. people... Like the dumb I, stoner comedies and all that. I got that. this I shit. Fucking on, love I got, those, man. We got all those movies. Yeah. That, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Who doesn't love Friday? Friday's great. It's the fucking best. It's yeah. the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, funny enough, a movie that I do love, and it's not because it's a funny or great movie, but I have to say the first Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. <laughs> I was just thinking the other day about that, how there's like a lot of great scenes in that movie. Yeah, like it's... Well, and you got to think about it. It's like, I'm not trying to say it's like a fucking masterpiece or anything, but it's a semi-important movie because you have an Asian American mm-hmm. and an Indian American yep. actor in roles that aren't stereotyped. Totally. In yep. a major comedy motion picture. Yep. Like that is... For the time, I think it's rare. I mean, up until then, yep. there really wasn't anything like that. Yeah. And I got to see someone that looked like me mm-hmm. on the movie screen. Act like a dumbass. And act and... like me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm half Indian, half Korean. Wow. So everyone told me about this movie because yeah. they were like, you like, you got it. And it's got tons of weed in it. And you got to see it. I'm like, oh, OK. And then yeah. I was just like, this is amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, for me, it was amazing because they uh, did it in a way where I got to sit back, not really analyze this movie. Right. And go, totally. You don't think about it. That that person looks and acts just like me. And I, I, I think that, that it's an amazing thing. I know there's still struggles um, yeah. in the industry to change a lot of those perceptions so you have mm-hmm. great shows like fresh off the boat doing that it's awesome and you know what's that other hawaii 50 has another asian american actor in it mm-hmm. but that was what 2005 or four or something i don't even know when that movie came out yeah there's nothing yeah. like that at the time yeah and another movie that i can probably watch the big lebowski once a week every day for the yep. rest of my life <laughs> yeah another one of those movies that i i mean i don't care who knows that it's this is a fucking good movie. I I mean, it's a great. I think that's a great movie all around. It's like Absolutely. really well made, and it's yeah. also funny, and it's also you can t- you completely turn your brain off, or you could totally like analyze it. Like, yeah. I think that's a it's a really great movie. I think you know, there's there's some of the art house movies that I do love. I'm trying to think one that really left an impression on me was a movie called Clean Shaven. Hmm. I haven't seen that. Peter Green. It's an amazing film about a dude who gets out of a psychiatric hospital. I don't want to say any more, yeah. um, but it's a very slow movie, but it's really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. And it shot well. Mm-hmm. I, I really loved it. 
Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other other movies on that C list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would love is, to. Yeah. You know, I also I love spy movies. Cool. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, one that I watch frequently, I would say, is Body of Lies. I don't know why, but I haven't that, seen that movie in a while, but yeah. was just one of those movies where I just like watched it a bunch of times and then just got it on DVD. So I just ended up watching it a bunch of times. Uh-huh. And, um, I do. I don't, it holds a weird place in my uh, list. I don't know why. And of course, I've probably watched Casino like yeah. a million times. Yeah. You go Casino over Goodfellas? Oh, no. I do back to back. You do back to back? Oh, yeah. All oh, right. you have to. Come on. <laughs> Come on. What are we doing here? That's a full day right there. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think of like the movies that I specifically own that are on. I don't own very many movies. Indiana Jones, love all three. Yep. All three, huh? All three. Okay. I mean, each one has a different, <laughs> each one has like a different place. All right, all right, all right. They're not all equal. I just love all three. I can watch all three. You can, you can love all three, yeah. Um, I only like Back to the Future 1. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. All the others are garbage. Huh. Uh. Whoa. What else is on my shelf at home? I think I have Moneyball on my shelf, but that's literally only because it's a movie about the A's. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was a good movie, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not, why you, not why you got it. That's not why I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, those movies that, like, just for whatever reason, you just want to watch. Yeah. Near Dark. Have you ever seen no. that? It's uh, Catherine Bigelow directed it, and it's a vampire film. And uh, Tangerine Dream did the soundtrack to it. Oh, tight. Okay, that's so awesome. it's like it's there's something about that movie that like is just oddly fucking magnetizing for me. Hmm. It's a good movie. It's not a great movie, but it's a good right. movie. And I just like I'll put that on and I'll just watch it. And I, there was a period of time where I just kept fucking putting that movie on. That's interesting. And I'm, it's not like it's not because it's a vampire movie. It's not you know it's just like something about that movie just all fit together. Yeah, I I have tons of those where, you know, it's gotten to the point in my life where I don't really get to watch a movie anyways yeah. because, you know, my daughter's um, insane <laughs> and, like, always wants to play and stuff like that. So it's all background noise to me now, but there's always those movies that I put on uh, specifically because I can catch any part of it and enjoy yeah. that mm-hmm. moment that I watch the movie. Uh, so, I mean, it's a lot of Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I grew up a huge Kevin Smith fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was, was really into Mallrats, mm-hmm. really into, uh, man, not chasing Amy so much, but, yeah. you know, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Red State was amazing. Did you guys check that out? I never no, saw that. That's saw. his drama that he did. Okay. It's pretty incredible. Okay. It's, like, loosely based on, like, Waco, but not quite. Okay. Um, and John Goodman's in it. He does a great job. It sounded like a really ballsy idea. Yeah, when it when he was ta- when it was coming out, I, I just never got around. To oh it. yeah, I just recently watched it because he was on like a podcast I listened to mm-hmm. um, and reminded me about that movie, so I had to pop it back on. And I just forgot. It's an incredible. It's not like a masterpiece, but yeah. it's you know yeah. it's just it's good. It's a good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's like what I'm kind of getting more and more just aware of is like not everything I fucking have to. It's not a masterpiece. You yeah. know, like I, I don't yeah. want to like everything I was like. Uh, I run a lot of movies from the library or, you know, anything that's on our fucking Netflix oh. queue. Everything I was watching was so just heavy yeah. and, like, overwrought. And finally my wife was like, can we just watch a movie? And I was like, <laughs> right. 
yeah, we can. Because yeah. I was finding myself even like I'm just feeling really dark and you know like yeah. there's ama- yeah, there's so much amazing. Yeah, shit, I mean, and don't like, get me wrong, like I love those movies. Yeah, me and too. I'll still yeah. watch yeah, them, of course, but not everything has to be. That, yeah, right? yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so no, it's it's so true. Like, what did I recently watch that? Because I also love kids movies. Yeah. Um, I saw Secret Life of Pets. I laugh my ass off, man. Okay, that, yeah. That movie was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it would be hilarious if I saw it a second time. Um, <laughs> but the first time I saw it in theaters, it was it was fucking funny. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I like to laugh a lot. So right. I always end up watching something, like, silly. You know? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, I do I do spend time watching, you know, going trying to go get through the Criterion Collection, which is probably never going to happen. Yeah, never. Mm-hmm. I, um, I always think it's going to happen too. Uh, yeah, I, I I try, and they keep just adding more to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I also feel like they're man. they're starting to add films where I'm just like, really that that yeah. gets on, and it's like yeah. now it's starting to just be like. I've been trying to go through the older Japanese movies. I just watched Lady Snowblood, and that just oh, blew man. my mind. Yeah, that movie's great. That movie's so awesome. Yeah, um, and then I also watched Stagecoach. The oh, John Ford yeah. Stagecoach. That's an oh, awesome man, movie. another incredible movie. I think it's interesting, too, because it's also, like, the, just the thing that you're saying, too, is, like, as you change, you know, like, as I change the, the films that I'm interested in, you know, sort of, like, priorities change, too. Absolutely. Like, you know, my priority isn't to sit down and watch a movie anymore. It's just to, yeah. like, put my daughter to sleep and just <laughs> try and get some food. And yeah. maybe I get to bed at a decent time. Yeah. <laughs> It completely changes my viewing habits because I just want something mind-numbing. I don't want to mm-hmm. think about what I'm watching anymore. Right. And, and, and if I do, um, it's got to be something I've already seen because I can't <laughs> watch start to finish a whole. And movie. you're, I mean, you're, you know, your kid's like three months old. You're, you're in the, you're in the shit right now. Yeah. Yeah. So oh yeah. Oh yeah. If you Lots have time of... to yourself, man, it's like. I know she loves to suck a lot of my time. Up. <laughs> Yeah, she she turns simple uh, diaper changes into a fucking ordeal. Sometimes. Oh yeah, for sure. It's like, oh, I'm gonna poo all over myself. All right, cool. I'll clean you up, and then while I'm cleaning you up, oh, now you just pissed all over yourself. <laughs> great. Now I gotta go put you in the shower. <laughs> Stay here next to the tub while I fill it up. Oh, great. You're pissing and shitting yourself again. <laughs> now I gotta wash all those clothes. Great. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what'd you get done today? Uh, we went to the park. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> My of... wife's been doing this while I'm at work, and I don't know how she hasn't lost her mind. She's an incredible person. Yeah, I don't know how she uh, can do this day in and day out. It's it's a continuous job just watching that baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And then you come back from work, and you're just like, "Well, I gotta get back to work because you got you you know you absolutely do shit." Yeah, you know, I have a pretty incredible situation. My wife, she understands the importance of you know, socializing, mm-hmm. it's, I feel like it's part of um, our job is like sometimes we should go and have a beer with like, you know, a director or DP that we want to work with, or we should go, you know, meet up with uh, our other Grep and Electric buddies and hang out because, you know, job, I've gotten jobs that way. Right. I've gotten people like, yeah. oh, you're, you're totally available next week. Oh, why don't you just jump on my thing? Or, yeah, it's a big You know, I've gotten so much insight on different things when you go out and do that. So she's been very understanding and letting me still, you know, obviously way less than I used to, but still like go out and be social in those circles. And, you know, if the baby didn't go to sleep at eight o'clock at night or seven o'clock, then she would be right there with me. Right. Um, Right. It's just not possible. Yeah. Yeah. Now maybe it will be later. Yeah. I'm a lucky man. I mean, she, she pretty much lets me do anything I need to do as far as like work goes. Mm -hmm. And she, uh, just incredible amount of support mm-hmm. in that aspect. That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, I got really lucky. 
I definitely married up. (laughs) (laughs) As a sort of like a bigger topic, I feel like that support is also like, especially when what we're doing can be so taxing, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, it, it definitely puts a strain on any sort of personal relationships you have. This job has taken me away from so much. So to have someone understanding like that at home, um, who's there to, you know, you had a bad day or things didn't go your way, just like makes you feel better, is there to support you in whatever decisions you make and there to help guide you in those important decisions you have to make. Yeah. Um, I think that's key. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I would have a completely different life if I didn't have her. I think it would be a completely different situation for me. You know, the universe is a crazy thing, but uh, <laughs> that's not even like filmmaking. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, dude, I mean, you've you've known Liz for a while. You've been to a bunch yeah. of our a bunch of our things at the house, and you've come over for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can even see. I mean, she takes so much care and pride in everything she does to the extent like she wants pumpkin pie. Well, we're not going to buy one. She wants to like make it from <laughs> scratch yeah. and have everyone experience. Like, check this out. You should have like the best if you're coming to my house. Like the best quality thing I can give you. Yeah. I don't think I would be anywhere near where I'm at now in my career without her. I mean, she's been with me before I really started doing this full time. We've been together almost eight years now. Mm. I mean, I was doing it when we met. I was still like working on, you know, $50 a day things and trying to still make a name and break in. She's really helped nurture me along the entire way. Absolutely. Cool, man. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Final thoughts. I mean, anything in terms of, you know, what, what you feel like you'd love to work on next or any anything, just any kind of final thoughts on? Well, with the winter break coming up, I kind of just want to do something fun. I mean, I want to work on someone's passion project or, you know, uh, some sort of narrative piece. Yeah, I think that would be just fun to hang out with some friends and try and make something over the break. If that comes up and if it's possible, who knows, it could just keep churning on and just being slammed through through the entire winter break. I mean, it's not really a break, you know, it's it's our slowdown. <laughs> slow down in business or whatever. Wow, I just had a brain fart. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a cra- it is a crazy thing where it's like it, it's. Uh, I mean, we having the company like we're shaping in, in a more like a manageable like nine to six kind of thing. So sure. it's, so it isn't so like living the freelance life, but like it, just in terms of how work comes in, like I feel like there's there's really no even... rhyme to the reason anymore yeah, yeah it's been you know last few years i've just been working through like between christmas and new years and then yeah. right after new years i've just been slammed i feel like it's not even predictable at this point like i feel like a couple years back we had a better sense Absolutely. of like yeah. slow and slow and heavy periods but now it's like just it's weird it's super weird it's been like the beginning of the year was slow but we were still working on stuff and then everybody got slammed yeah. Around the same time, just all of the bay. I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, I think it's so great. Everyone's working. The town's just on fire. I love it. I love when I get to go on my Facebook feed and see all my buddies on set. Yeah. It's a bummer we're not on the same set, but they're all on different sets, and it's great to see everyone working and, you know, making cool stuff. It's a lot of fun for me. Thank you so much to Tej for being on this episode. Be sure to check out our trailer for The Slaughtery. At the end of last year, we finally sort of got together and made a creative project pretty much strictly on our terms. We've done, you know, a lot of music videos and shorts on our own kind of here and there, but we dug up this script that we had kind of sitting in Google Drive for 
five something years called the slaughtery that we wrote really when we were just sort of like trying to stay sane during like rendering for yeah. a big project we we're just cracking each other up just kind of passing the script around and then we sort of unearthed it last year and we did sort of an impromptu table read of it with just us and we were cracking up and we we're like well shit let's make this yeah. like let's do this so we uh you know got together pulled together some amazing uh friends to help us make this thing uh so phil briggs uh you know gave us so much of his time to like shoot this thing and it looks incredible and we held some auditions and you know got the the main sort of talent and then we were in it for you know our little cameo moments um it was a lot of fun so we did this uh sort of fake trailer horror movie called The Slaughtery that is out now. It's on our website, frenchpressfilms.com, and I'm sure you'll see it blasted all over the French press social media networks um, or have seen it by now. So, yeah, uh, if you haven't watched it, watch it, laugh at it, laugh at us, (laughs) and yeah. See what kind of crazy stuff we're up to. Yep. And so then here's our epilogue. Uh, Something I wanted to try out, um, a lot of the epilogues are just... Uh, kind of current recordings of us just riffing and being kind of goofballs or and past stuff. recordings too, past just recordings. weird stuff we've had sitting around. This one I wanted to go a slightly different route, um, maybe for the new year, maybe just because. So this is a piece that I made as part of a collection of music pieces for a gallery showing that uh, Roman kind of spearheaded for our space a few years back. The theme for both the art, which was two of our good friends, uh, Adam Davis and uh, John Wong, was all themed around dreams. And so uh, Roman reached out to a bunch of different artists to also do some music pieces. Yeah, I'm really, I'm still really proud of that. Uh, We made kind of a soundtrack to this art show. So including with you, there was Don Will from Tanya Morgan, there was uh, Go Nakamura, and there was uh, Sister Crayon. And uh, my good buddy, Malicious Lee uh, from Golden Age. So we, we put together this really awesome like soundtrack for it. So Yeah. Uh, so here's uh, the, one of the pieces, the, the most concise piece that I did for it, because I think I did a, like overall like an hour worth of yeah. weird music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here's one of those pieces. All right. Goodbye. Bye. My acting classmate will will appreciate this. I had a dream that Thank you. 
Mission or something. Thank you. 
I just had a crazy dream. So I was hanging out with the Wong. It was Ron. The Wong. It was Ron. Uh, this whole convoluted thing. Ron and Carlos. And I was hanging out with Ron and Carlos. And I had to drop my car off somewhere and get this sort of motorbike. And we traveled out to this place where there was a party going on. It was like in this weird like little like shops and things, restaurants, and then there's this room where we're all hanging out, and it's like a sort of like complex, it went down a bunch of stairs, and sort of like Ron's brother's birthday party or something, I don't even know who all was there, it sort of looks like a, it's like my socks are off and everything, uh, just getting really relaxed, and then <laughs> I realized it's like I'm heading back out there, somewhere 